Hello, and welcome to the School Safety Free Period. I'm Amanda Klinger. And I'm Dr. Amy Klinger. And we are with the Educators School Safety Network. We are a national nonprofit organization, and we provide school safety training and resources and technical assistance to schools throughout the United States and Canada. And once a week, we have a little bit of time where we're a little bit less formal. Uh, we're a little bit less serious. Um, but we are still taking the work of school safety very seriously. Um, the past couple weeks during our school safety free period, we have been focusing on what has captured the tension of everyone around the world, the uh, coronavirus pandemic. And we've covered a lot of different uh, safety concerns that are directly and then kind of indirectly related to what everybody's going through at the moment. Um, so if you want to take, you know, pause maybe here and uh, if you're not joining us live and check back on some of those older episodes. Um, but we do have a couple of just quick things to talk about kind of as the situation keeps evolving with uh, transitioning to online education from home. So I think you had a couple of, of things that you wanted to talk about. Well, I think that it's important uh, to, to note, as we have in our previous podcast, um, there is so much information out there. So much of it is accurate, so much of it is not. And probably the overarching concerns of we don't know. So we have decided to sort of spend our time um, in these podcasts during this time of uncertainty talking about things that are within our control and mm -hmm. things that we can do and things that we do know to be true, mm -hmm. as opposed to lots of speculation that is probably wrong the minute we say it. Mm -hmm. So. Um, we, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the online sort of things that are happening mm -hmm. as we think about how we so rapidly, and we talked about this before, mm -hmm. how rapidly we have transitioned from completely traditional instruction to completely virtual online distance learning. Um, and I believe that is the case in, um, I believe I was hearing something like nine out of 10 Americans are currently in that sort of a shelter in place. Situation, which means that the vast majority of American school kids and probably around the world are learning in a different, very different way uh, than they had before. And so I think it's important for us to let, well, it is the free period, so I can point out uh, the, the little bit of levity of this. I think it is important to remember, and, and it would make us feel good, it makes me feel good, to know that kids are still trying to pull pranks and kids are still messing around. Um, so there I is think that's when you know that you really need to be concerned about the state of the world if kids give up on pranks. Stop messing right? around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that, I think, should make us feel better, that even in virtual classrooms, we have kids that are messing around, um, not necessarily in a mean-spirited way, although clearly there are some um, issues that have not been very innocent. Um, but we, I was reading an article, and I think we're going to link it, um, but we've been looking at a number of different articles where they were talking about kids figuring out how to take over the classroom um, during virtual class meetings where they have sort of been able to hack the system. They interrupt the PowerPoint and project other things. Um, they are blocking out the instructors, so the instructors... It sounds to me like STEM education. This sounds to me I'm like sorry? this sounds to me like successful STEM education. Uh, well, uh, uh, the the hacking part of it for sure, mm -hmm. the the technology. Um, I guess we are all those of us that are my age are being reminded yet again that we are technology immigrants, not technology natives, because the natives are taking advantage of us. Um, so 
but as much as I, I'm sure in the moment of the person this happens to, it is not cool or funny. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to focus a little bit on, okay, human nature is human nature and it's still there. And kids are still kids and they're still there. And I think that needs to inform our online teaching too. Of what are we missing from our classrooms that we're not able yet or that we need to think about how to infuse in our online? Um, you know, kids love in classrooms to hear a personal story from the teacher. They love to see what the teacher, you know, a picture that the teacher had. They they love these teachable moments that unexpectedly happen. They, you know, all those kinds of things. And we all could think of examples of that. We need to think about how that's missing, if that's missing from our online instruction and how do we capture those relationships and that spontaneity and that connection that is not there sometimes when it's watched this pre-recorded thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And we've, we talked last time about some really astounding things that people have done to do that. And so I think moving forward, as we look at, are we gonna keep doing this for a while? How can we continue to infuse that human element in it? Because mm-hmm. that's what we're really gonna start missing. Yeah. So, but the part I wanted you to talk about was the mm-hmm. purpose sort of stuff. Well, I think before that, you kind of alluded to some of the pranks and some of the uh, well-intentioned things that are happening. And you know, I'm, I'm sure people have read you know, all the news articles about the potential security vulnerabilities and some common uh, online platforms that people are using. And so I think that's always something to be cautious of and conscientious of. And sometimes it's just like kids being kids, pulling pranks and, and being able to uh, you know, control the PowerPoint. And there have been examples of ones where outside actors yeah, have, maybe have put like really yeah have put like really terrible things on there and and that's not anything new i mean you read all the time about uh, people who have their home security cameras hacked and strangers are you know yelling at their babies through their baby monitors so it is not a surprise to us that with the increase of people using online tools for educational instruction that we would have a problem with bad actors getting into those. And so that's certainly something just moving forward um, to making sure, you know, especially now that the initial rush to get some of this instruction moved online, some of that initial crush has sort of lifted um, that we can make sure that folks are working with their IT folks to make sure that we have adequate security on some of those. Yeah, and I think the good news on that is the adequate security you're referring to is not, uh, you know, like we need to have a call in the NSA to figure out how to do it. Um, It's simple things with pins and Mm -hmm. passwords and, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's not difficult to do. We just have to remember that there are those bad actors out there mm-hmm. who were acting before. It's not, mm-hmm. they're not acting that way because they have coronavirus. They were doing that kind of stuff before. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a really valid point yeah. that the, the solution is not that difficult. It's the awareness mm-hmm. of the possibility. Yeah. And I think um, that and we don't need our kids to be further traumatized by like this, you know, horrible picture or, you know, whatever we, we need to protect them. Yeah. Um, just as we would in our classroom. So now talk about the FERPA. Yeah, stuff. so the, the concern um, with some of the FERPA things is, you know, in this rush to move things online, we want to share information. We want to share the accomplishments of our students, um, which in, in our school building, we, I think as educators, sometimes uh, have a pretty good notion of like what is appropriate under FERPA and what is not in the confines of a normal school. And now that we are out of those confines, um, it's the nuances of, of what we should should and should not be doing um, from a FERPA standpoint 
are something that we have to sort of learn that. And so that learning curve has been steeper in places than others. And, you know, we talk about this when we do vulnerability assessments in schools, that we don't want to see class lists with first and last names posted outside in the hallway, um, especially at the elementary level, that it's just information that is not really necessary to be out there in such a public way, and that bad actors could utilize that information um, and 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 sort of looking at why is it even why is it even there? I mean, the kids who are in your class know their own first and last names, and you teachers, every third grade teacher knows this first and last name of their kids. So, um, well, and the problem is when that occurs, and we had concerns about it. That's in a hallway of a classroom that somebody right. would have to come in and walk now, down the hallway and, and find it. And now it's just every out everywhere. Now we're pushing that out with a picture attached, mm -hmm. oftentimes of a picture, a name, first and last name, and we are literally making it accessible to anyone on mm -hmm. the planet yeah. that has the capability to retrieve it. Yeah. And the, you know, I know that there's uh, there's potentially blame to go around with parents who are posting their own images of their own children with easily identifiable information, and, and that's an issue that I think also needs to be addressed, um, but that is not an excuse that as educators, well, this information about this kid's already probably out there. Um, we need to make sure that you know, as educators that we are holding that data privacy uh, to a higher standard than maybe the parents are, if the parents aren't super conscientious about that. And, and let's be clear, we're not talking about, oh, someone took a, a kid's test with their name and address and pushed it out there. We had, everybody knows yeah. that sort of stuff. We're talking about people in their enthusiasm of mm -hmm. look at my class yeah. and look how we are all here together and mm -hmm. look at how we wrote this thing where it's, it is much more innocuous than mm -hmm. just this obvious thing of here's a kid's picture and their name and they're a street address and I push that out there. Clearly everybody gets that, right. but it's more when we're being enthusiastic to overshare mm -hmm. uh, what our class has done and what what they have seen mm -hmm. and those kind of things um, that are a little bit more subtle and more difficult for us to really realize that wait that is personal identifiable information that we have just released into the mm -hmm. wild um, without permission and so that's really critical so i think you wanted to talk about safety issues uh, while kids are home yeah, so I kind of wanted to, um, you know, talk a little bit about some of the discussions we've had of, of wow, we are not in our traditional school school building. So there is this belief, and you know, we've heard it from some from some folks to some degree that well, at least we don't have to worry about safety. Yeah, we do, um, and so it's just a different sort of safety concern. So we're not sitting at home with kids doing active shooter drills like maybe would have unfortunately been happening if they were in their in their traditional schools but we as educators our responsibility for safety for kids doesn't really go away it just has evolved and changed because we have kids now um in the rush you know so whether regardless of your stance on guns it is a fact that there's been an incredible spike in the, the purchase of guns. And so now we have kids sitting at home who have never had a gun in their home. And maybe there's not been time and planning to adequately secure those. And so we have those kind of issues that maybe we've never even thought about, mm -hmm. um, parents and, and you know educators. We have issues of maybe low level simmering sort of abuse or domestic violence or problematic family dynamics 
that are exacerbated, mm-hmm. you know, by ex, incredible, you know, stress. Yeah. by the stress, by the close proximity, by mm-hmm. all those things. So those, you know, those kids that had that escape of going to school, that's gone. Yeah. Um, and so we have those issues. Clearly the, the nutrition issue has been mm-hmm. discussed and I think somewhat addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have, you know, kids that are in problematic home environments who are now immersed in that problematic mm-hmm. home environment um, that before they had opportunities to get away, to, to be in, you know, to, to leave the, the premises. Mm-hmm. And now they're not. Yeah. And so I think that presents some incredible challenges um, for educators. And even in terms of, you know, not safety so much, but even in terms of assessment, I just had this discussion with someone the other day of, you know, are we going to hold kids accountable for doing all this work at home when perhaps they're now being a caregiver for three or four younger siblings who they're trying to make sure they do their work and they're inside all the time and there isn't anyone there? And is your math assignment really this kid's most pressing concern mm-hmm. in the wake of this global pandemic, not mm-hmm. to mention the domestic chaos in their own environment? So there's a lot of really sticky sort of question Mm -hmm. that I think we have to reflect on and not become too immersed in, no, 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 we have to do this. I think we have to reflect on some of those. I think the the good news when you talk about the safety concerns of, you know, kids being at home and so we're not going to do an active shooter drill like we would have done if we were here in the classroom. I think the good news is, you know, when we talk about safety skills and about empowering teachers and students with safety skills, those are not unique to a classroom, right? The safety skill of being able to listen to the instructions of a trusted adult in an emergency situation, you need to have that at home and we need to have that at school. Or the safety skill of being able to, where would I shelter from severe weather? You need to have that skill at home too. And so um, I think- are we getting that at home if the school is not delivering that? But I think that it's that's that's that type of skill building doesn't need to stop just because we're not sitting in our desks in my normal classroom. We can still talk about those skills and we can you know still talk about what that looks like and and how how we would react in a situation and some of so that skill building doesn't need to end. So I think that is kind of the the silver lining in that. Well, but and I think that that we have to kind of reflect on are we trying to emphasize academics, which clearly we have to do in this home environment instruction, but. And so my concern is that some of the safety things fall by the wayside because in the scheme of things, Mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal. And we and we feel like it's not that big of a deal or we feel like I don't have time to do that. But I think we also need to reflect on the fact that for kids who are feeling very uncertain and that things are really out of control and that they don't really know where everything is going or what to do. Mm -hmm. We can provide them with some structure and security that says, I do know what to do if there was a fire. I do know what to do if there was a tornado. Mm-hmm. I do know that I have to ride, you know, wear my helmet when I ride my bike. Mm-hmm. Those sort of things are important safety skills that we need to teach. But I also think they have the unintended benefit of providing kids with some sense of control, some sense mm-hmm. of empowerment of I can do things mm-hmm. to keep these people that I love and myself safe. Mm-hmm. And I think we can't lose sight of that 
in favor of saying, let's do another math worksheet instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think and, that's really important. No, and, no. you know, also that's something that we can do with little, little guys. You know, I was on the phone with my goddaughter who's in preschool and we were, and we were talking about that, you know, she's not in school and, and she has an understanding of like, we're not in school so that we can keep people safe. And she has an understanding of we're washing our hands a lot and that's keeping people safe. So that's something that, you know, doesn't need to be, you know, we're talking about building skills and capacities and that small measure of, of something that it's not adding to uncertainty, building skills and capacities in kids diminishes uncertainty because it is it's a thing that you can do this is this is what you do to to be a good citizen this is what you do to protect yourself so okay i think and we hear that a lot from people of that they struggle sometimes in traditional learning formats to build that sense of social and civic responsibility in younger kids hand washing is this perfect example and some of these other things that seem really low level but that are a way for kids to feel like I'm doing this thing because it's to keep me safe, my family safe, but also because that's what we do as citizens, as good mm-hmm. citizens and as good as good partners in our society. So mm-hmm. I think there's really some benefits that people need to reflect on. Yeah. So, okay. So I think you wanted to wrap up with kind of uh, last, but hardly related to safety, but we nope. can do it. Last but not least, I want to just throw this out there because I've been thinking about this a lot. So, Hardly any of us, including myself, thankfully, hardly any of us are old enough to remember Sputnik. But I've been thinking a lot about Sputnik. Wait, in the... you weren't even. I wasn't You're not alive. even that I know, old. Yeah. It's like finally something that even I am, you know, uh, too not, young for. Yeah, okay. But I was thinking a lot about Sputnik in the sense that how that mobilized a generation into science and math. And then we had 9-11 that mobilized a generation, I believe, um, many kids in a generation into military, public service, you know, that sort of emergency response Mm -hmm. sort of things. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm being oversimplistic, but I'm super fascinated in the wake of this situation, this pandemic, where the heroes are that yeah the heroes are these you know the nurses and the healthcare workers and the emergency responders all those folks but there's also increasingly this this heroic aspect to the science mm-hmm. of it to the medical science specifically mm-hmm. and i'm just really curious to see where that goes on i was reading someone talking the other day that you know what we've been fine for 30 days without athletes and celebrities we've been fine We've been okay without knowing what the celebrity was wearing on the red carpet, but what emphasis and what we've looked at in terms of the the miraculous abilities of people in the sciences and the medical field specifically, Mm -hmm. I think it's really, I'm curious how that inspires generations of, you know, this generation of, of impressionable kids to go, here's how, look at what these folks were able to do. Yeah. Um, and clearly it expands beyond that. But I just was kind of interested in like, I mean, you know, 10 years from now, what will we see in terms of our medical scientists? So if you have thoughts on that, I'd like to hear them. Yeah. Well, Why don't you tell her, 
Tell them how they can contact us. <laughs> well, as always, we like to wave to folks who are joining us live, and we say hello to folks who are joining us uh, as a podcast, who are, you know, walking their dogs from six feet away from other people and dogs. Uh, I have a Jack Russell Terrier, so I always have to walk six feet away from other people and dogs. So this hasn't been much of a, a change for me in the coronavirus. Um, but uh, all the golden retrievers that are struggling. Yeah, the golden retrievers are like, but I want to be friends. Um, but anyway, you know, we talked earlier on some of the earlier episodes about some of the online professional development opportunities that we have for teachers and for school leaders. And so if that's something that you're interested in, you can certainly check out some of those older episodes. Um, we do have a lot of free and low cost resources that are available completely digitally. Um, we have uh, PLCs that we're running. We have online training. Um, we have transitioned a lot of our training that we typically do in person to being online. So we are dropping into staff meetings and talking about safety concerns. Um, we're dropping into leadership team meetings and helping them with some of their long-term plans for, And you I know, like to feel we're, that we're brightening those meetings up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's certainly entertaining, if nothing else. Um, but we're, we're transitioning to a lot of that stuff being available online. And then we have other just online resources that have always been there. So we have a lot of stuff that's, you know, free and low cost. And um, if you head to our website, eschoolsafety.org, we have a page um, that you can find pretty easy in the navigation that has all that online stuff put together. And then we, of course, have all the other back episodes like this um, of the free period podcast. We do have the formalized webinars. Those are available totally for free. Um, we have a lot, a lot of resources. And so we think, you know, we talk about at uncertain times. Um, one thing is certain is we will be educating kids in the future uh, and that might look different, but there will be safety concerns. Um, no matter what that looks like, um, no matter how long it takes for us to resume to something more like normalcy, there'll be safety concerns. And so the, the question is, can we take some of this time to prepare for that and to be proactive as opposed to kind of always being on the back foot when it comes to school safety? So if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us on social media or on the website. And uh, I guess until next time, we'll say thanks.